<clears throat> On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Well, I am back after three weeks gone on vacation, which is a good, good, solid chunk of time. And we went to Hawaii. We've never been to Hawaii, so that was very exciting because you never hear people say, oh, Hawaii, it's all right. <laughs> so that was exciting for us. Three days after we arrived, kids started getting sick. Brian and I got sick shortly after, and it was COVID. After over two years of avoiding that virus, it finally got us. And we recovered just in time to get on the plane and come back. I still have a nasty cough, so I have a cough drop, so hopefully I don't cough in your ear the whole time. So it was not an ideal Hawaiian vacation, but it is sort of a reminder that life is rarely ideal. Well, when I go, when I leave on vacation, I try to... Um, you know, really unplug from everything and just cycle everything down. So when I got back, I start, you know, looking at the news and a lot had happened while we were gone. The Supreme Court had been busy. I mean, wowzers. So we all know the Supreme Court struck down Americans' right to privacy as it relates to abortion. They also took away EPA's ability to limit carbon emissions, which affects our planet. 
They struck down limits on concealed weapons. They struck down a student's rights, a student's right to not be coerced by prayer of their public school coaches and teachers. And they took away the requirement for reading Miranda rights. I mean, it was, it was busy. Right after right after right was taken away by the Supreme Court. And many see this assault on rights as the Christian agenda, which breaks my heart. In my very limited social media universe, I saw people posting, so here are some comments that people posted. I'm not insisting Christianity be banned, even if it's the cause of so many problems globally and locally to an extreme. Religion is just an excuse to be a shitty person, to absolve oneself of any agency and blame. All these groups scream louder and make it hard to want to identify as Christian because it is now so deeply associated with hate. That's how people see us. That's how some people see us. They see Christianity as a hate group. And why wouldn't they? Christians say that the solution to gun violence is more violence. There's Christians sounding the alarm on voter fraud, but they only seem to have problems with elections where their preferred candidate doesn't get elected. Christians are more interested in punishing criminals than they are in defending the rights of the accused. And there are Christians celebrating the overturning of Roe versus Wade while opposing programs that take the pressures off of parents. And we have a pastor in Boise calling for the annihilation of LGBTQ people, threatening their lives. So why wouldn't people see Christianity as a hate group? And I think, I think, but what about us? I mean, what about us? We don't, we don't talk that way. We don't do that stuff. We care for people. But nobody hears us. I was at a conference recently, and the speaker said, we are muted. We make our statements and we post on social media, but we are not heard, we are not seen. Last summer I ran into a an old colleague who grilled me about why aren't pastors stepping out in support of mask wearing as a pro-life issue. And I said, we are, but it doesn't make the news. Now, I have long upheld the conviction to call people what they ask to be called. So, you know, if a person tells me they're female, I'm going to refer to them as female. If a person tells me what their pronouns are, I'm going to use their pronouns. If a person tells me they're Christian, I'm going to call them Christian. But what about now? What does it mean to be a Christian now? And I've been really 
struggling with that question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be faithful? Well, a lawyer had the same question for Jesus. We hear that on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. So an expert in the law, we would call a lawyer. This law they were an expert in is our, what we would call the Old Testament. So we could just as well call them a theologian or a scripture scholar. And they said, they said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to stand in this place where God's eternal life is? And we can think of eternal life as lasting forever. The older I get, the less appealing that sounds in this body. <laughs> we can also think of eternal life as like infinite life. The most abundant life right now that is so abundant and so big that it lasts for eternity. And like a good Jewish ancient teacher, Jesus answers a question with a question. What is written in the law? How do you read it? And our lawyer, our theologian, our scripture scholar, answers with the Shema. Those beautiful Jewish, that beautiful Jewish a prayer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Words so important that Orthodox Jews write them down and, and put them, you know, literally on their forehead. And then our lawyer, our theologian, our scripture scholar adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ah, he picked up that Leviticus 19. This person knows their scripture. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. You know, I kind of laugh. You know, just do that. <laughs> like, just do that. No one's, no human being's actually ever accomplished. But just do that. Nope. Oh, I think the battery died. Uh-oh. Should I just use this one, Melanie? And then this, this, this our, our lawyer, our theologian, our scripture scholar, you know, you have to keep the conversation going. So he comes up with the next good question. And who is my neighbor? I got to tell you, my question would have been, what is love? What does it mean to love babies? What does it mean to love women? Or criminals? Or our planet? Or school children? But his was, who is my neighbor? And in Hebrew, like in English, neighbor means one close to you. You know, a nigh dweller. And Jesus replies with a story. A man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. They're not that far apart, 17 miles. 3,000 foot elevation difference, so you go down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. This was a common problem. Um, it was so common that the Romans nicknamed this road the Red and Bloody Way. So he was attacked, and everything was stolen, and he was left half dead, and a priest comes by. 
a priest, the one from the temple, you know, who goes into the Holy of Holies. This was, you know, this was the, the big important people, the, the bishop, the district superintendent, who knew their scripture and knew their discipline, comes down the road, and they know that they have important religious work to do. And so they choose ceremonial cleanliness and walk by. Because as soon as you touch a dead body, you are ceremonially unclean. Next, a Levite comes, a, a person who worked at the temple. You know, not the one that does the really important stuff, but the lesser one, you know, like a pastor or a minister, comes by, also knows their scripture, also knows their book of discipline. And if you touch a dead body, that messes, you know, that messes up your ability to serve. So walked on by, choosing ceremonial cleanliness over compassion. Well, the people listening to Jesus would have picked up on, okay, I've got the pattern. We've got the important religious people, you know, the middle religious people. Next, it's lay people. That's going to be, you know, the hero of the story is lay people. And then Jesus changes the storyline. He says a Samaritan, a foreigner, an atheist, doesn't even worship at the temple. This Samaritan, who does not know scripture, who does not know the discipline, came by. And when he saw him, he was moved to compassion. And he bound up his wounds and he poured oil and water on the wounds. And that ancient remedy that really does work, just like tea with lemon and honey, really does take a cough away. And he put him on his donkey. And he took him down to an inn and gave the innkeeper two denarii. They say a denarii is about a day's wages. So he gave the innkeeper, you know, three, four hundred dollars to watch over him. And said, when I come back, I'll reimburse you whatever else the expense is. He wrote him a blank check. And then Jesus poses the question back, but he changes the question. Remember, our lawyer, our theologian, our scripture scholar, said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus' question is, which of these do you think was neighbor to the man left half dead? Jesus changed the question. And our lawyer, our theologian, our scripture scholar, who knows the scripture, who knows the law, who knows his book of discipline, in this story is shown up by an atheist. And so he responds, he can't even cough out the, you know, name Samaritan, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. You want to know what it looks like to be faithful? Here's an example from one you don't see as faithful, from a person you despise. Jesus said, go and do likewise. 
And Jesus wasn't naming emotion, he was naming action, which we all know. What we do says much more about what we believe than what we say. If we say we love babies, but we only care about making abortion illegal, then what we love is the law, not babies. If we say we love women, and the only thing we do is to keep abortion legal, then what we love is our own independence, not women facing very difficult situations. If we say we love freedom, but then work on restricting the voting rights, then what we love is power, not freedom. When asked about love, Jesus answered with action. The lawyer's question was, who is my neighbor? But Jesus' response really was, he was answering the question, what is love? What does it mean to love? Which one of these acted with love? And we all know it when we see it. Love is people over issues. Love is compassion over certainty. Love is commitment even over affection. And we, we have that same question. What is love? What, what does it mean to be a Christian? Who is a Christian? And Jesus answers our question the same way. Who is a Christian to the ones who are hurting? We come together every Sunday to worship God, who is the author of our fundamental rights. We come together every Sunday to, to renew our discipleship, to get back in the game of this Christianity, and to struggle again with what does it mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for, for us individually? And we do it together. And then God sends us out to work on living it. With opportunity to live out this renewed discipleship, this renewed understanding of what it means to be Christian. And there is a good chance God is going to show up in your life this week with someone who is suffering, with someone who is hurting, with someone who is at the end of their rope, and there you are. With a new, renewed sense of what it means to be a follower, there you will be claiming your Christianity with your actions. And we need to turn the mute off and we need to claim this Christian faith that serves others. And we need to claim it loudly and boldly. Amen.
please rise as you're able and join us in singing There's a Spirit in the Air. So the first verse is also the last, and we'll sing verses one through three, and then the first verse again. now we gather our hearts and minds together in prayer as we name our joys and our concerns. What I'd like to ask you to do is stand up. If you could stand up. And then find another person or a maybe another two people and share those joys and concerns that are on your heart today that you would like to pray for. So find another one or two people, and then we'll come together at the end and pray together. (laughs) 